Welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast for fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts who want to be better at life. Fitness is the greatest investment of anyone's life. However, it's not easily obtained, and anyone who says different is just plain wrong. Join award-winning personal trainer and strength conditioning coach Chris Fudge every Monday as he explores all aspects of fitness that can lead you to your optimal health. Welcome to another episode of the Project Fitness Podcast. Today's a special episode because I'm sitting down with someone who's going to talk to us about something I'm a little bit selfish and, and interested in. Today, I'm sitting down with Dr. Sandra Kufman, and she is a cellular biologist, but we're going to talk about longevity today. Her background starts from getting her master's degree at the University of Connecticut in tropical ecology and plant physiology then went into medicine, receiving her medical degree at the University of Maryland, and completed a residency and fellowship at the John Hopkins Field of Pediatric Anesthesiology. A little different than people would think when we talk about longevity, but you're the Regional Medical Director of Pediatric Anesthesiology at South Florida, yet you have a passion for longevity. That is all correct. Yes, well said. Absolutely. (laughs) So, so thank you for coming on the Project Fitness podcast today. And it's a, it's a diverse background, it's a diverse education, but you're into this whole concept of living longer. Where does that stem from? So I am not a gym rat like uh, you or, or your listeners, because I cheated and looked you up on, on Instagram, but um, I'm a rock climber. And I absolutely love scaling walls. I'm a 5'10", 5'11"-ish climber. And I was hanging off a cliff in my mid-40s. And I thought, uh, this is kind of a deadly thing to do. And if I get older and I can't do it anymore, number one, it wouldn't be any fun. And number two, I'm going to go crashing to my death. So as I was hanging there, I decided to use all the skill sets that I had to try to defeat aging. And once I got off the cliff, people are like, that's the most ridiculous concept ever to have come off a cliff ever. But I I like to think that I did it. Um, Everyone mocked me for about five years, but I came up with reasons why cells age because I was a cell biologist. I understand health and disease because I'm an anesthesiologist. Um, And I think it's sort of like this neat uh, combination of skills and knowledge that drove me to figure this out. And I think I'm right. So there's no fountain of youth. You don't have to go and drink from a fountain to live longer. You, you think it has something to do with the cells. Um, well, I will tell you that there are a heck of a lot of old people living in Florida and the fountain of youth is supposed to be at, uh, was it, um, Fort something or other on the West coast. And there, there really are a ton of old people there. So maybe they're right. I don't know. <laughs> um, that being said, I tried to drink the water. It was just kind of nasty. Um, I think that if you take care of your cells, your cells will take care of you, but it's kind of complex. So I sort of came up with a model and a mathematical algorithm to sort of help people figure it out. Okay. So before we dive into that, because I really want to talk about that. First of all, we just rewind things here. Every day I drive by a funeral home on my way to work. You know, funerals happen almost every day where I am from. So people die. We all eventually die. What is the process of death? Why do we die? That is an extremely complex question, um, and it depends on who you are and what your circumstances are. We die because we're living organisms, and all living organisms eventually die, right? But there's a huge difference between being incredibly healthy and getting hit by a bus versus dwindling and being absolutely miserable at the end of your life. So what we talk about, and I think you're trying to allude to, is the difference between a lifespan and your health span. And I like to focus on your health span. 
Because the real question is how long can you be as healthy as possible and do the things that you want to do without being limited by age-related problems? Uh, and if you can do that for an extremely long time, I think you win. And that of course is versus your lifespan. I don't really care how old you get to be if you're blooming miserable when you're there. So I like to focus on health span versus lifespan, knowing that one is going to lead to an increase in the other regardless. Mm -hmm. And as we, as we age, things start to break down and they make day-to-day -day activities, daily activity movements, a lot more challenging. You know, I've got, I've done the down South trip multiple times before, and they always have two options. Now they have, you know, assistance needed option or no assistance needed option. And it, I, I don't remember that, you know, years earlier when I would go down South and now it's the standard, even at the airports that's now offered. So what you're saying is from a longevity standpoint, your health span is how long can you go doing pretty good where you don't need all these assistance assistances in your living? Yes. Yeah. And how long can you put off age-related diseases? Because people will say, oh, you know, grandma's in her eighties. She has neurological decline or, you know, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, et cetera, but that's normal aging. And the answer is no, it's not. Why does that have to be normal aging? Right. The, the you know, risk of diabetes, high blood pressure, uh, needing reading glasses to see. People just assume that all of that stuff is standard, you know, it comes, it comes with aging, standard reasons why we age or, or are accompanied by aging regardless. And my argument is it doesn't have to be that way. We know why we get these things and we can avoid them as long as possible. So why do we get these things? Because cells decline over time and different cellular declines lead to very specific medical problems. And is there a way to counter that? Of course there is. Otherwise, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, right? <laughs> uh, every, yeah, true, true. <laughs> right? So every disease is associated with a particular type or several types of cell failure. And if we can get to the root of that, then we can avoid it. So as a, as a prime example, rates of cancer skyrocket as we get older, right? They just do. And it comes from several things. It comes from horrific inflammatory problems. And as we get older, our inflammatory system just sort of takes off, but obviously we can block that. Uh, that causes or contributes to DNA damage. Uh, as, as it is, you've got 10 to the fifth DNA errors per cell per day, and you have DNA repair mechanisms. But as you get older, your repair mechanisms fail. So that's two big things. If we can fix your inflammatory factors and we can fix your DNA repair rates, we just decreased your risk of getting cancer. Um, and of course it's a relative rate of decrease. I can't say you're not going to get cancer, but maybe I went from 50% down to 20%, or maybe instead of getting it at 70, now you're going to get it at 80, right? Whatever we did, we improved your odds and made your health span better. That concept you mentioned about, um, uh, inflammation in the body. Yeah. What's the best way to test that? Is that C-reactive protein numbers, like with blood work, or is there, are there other ways to test and know? Oh, there are many other ways to do that. Um, but I'm going to back up just a little bit because you age for seven reasons and the inflammatory system is actually reason number five. Mm. Uh, so I feel like if we're, if we're going to jump a little bit ahead, it's going to be uh, moderately confusing. Let's go uh, number okay. one, start there. Number one. So I liked, so, and I have to think about them in order or I, I sort of screw them up. So number one, I call it DNA alterations. As you get older, we all know that our telomeres get shorter. And this is the piece of the DNA at the end. Every time a cell replicates, a little bit gets trimmed off. And the older you are, the shorter they get, the more stressed out you are, the shorter they get, et cetera. 
Um, so we want to try, if we can, to maintain the length of our telomeres. So that's item number one under DNA. Item number two is epigenetic modification. As we get older and the environment we are in and the foods that we eat alter our DNA, uh, it's either methylation, acetylation, phosphorylation, et cetera, and it changes what types of proteins are produced. Uh, and it's the reason that identical twins become less identical as they get older. Mm. You get more epigenetic modification in your DNA. Therefore, everything that gets put out is altered. Uh, anyway, so that's two. And then three is what I like to call DNA protection. There are a lot of uh, things that destroy your DNA, uh, radiation, free radicals, all sorts of chemical problems. So there's actually things that you can take into your body that protect your DNA from these, these damages. So that, that's item number one, or what I call tenant number one, DNA. Two, two are your mitochondria. And some people think that mitochondria is the end all be all, but I like to think of it as tenant number two. And mitochondria fail for very specific reasons. Uh, the biggest reason is because you have an NAD shortage after the age of 40. Uh, and you also have problems with your mitochondria because of free radical scavenging issues. The more oxygen you use, the more radicalized it is. And I like to envision them as little bombs going off in your mitochondria, sort of destroying tissue. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, to, to speak to your athletic crowd, the more oxygen you use as athletes, the more free radicals you have. And this is why some uh, very smart, lazy people just say they're going to be couch potatoes because it's healthier. Um, my only word to the wise in terms of being an athlete is make sure you up your free radical scavenging when you're out exercising so you maintain your health while you are exercising. That's mitochondria. Let's see. Item number three is what I call pathways. Um, this is your sirtuins, your AMP kinase pathway, as well as your mTOR pathway. Um, people love this caloric restriction diets. Everyone's mm. starving themselves for however many hours a day. Fasting, very popular these days. Yes, because it's cheap and it's easy, but it's really annoying. I can't do it. I, I, I like donuts too much. <laughs> um, but what that does is it activates a lot of these pathways that tells your body to go into a state of hibernation, which helps with longevity. So it really does work. It's just a pain in the ass and it makes social situations a little bit awkward, mm -hmm. uh, but, it, but, it, but it does work. Anyway, so that, that is three, those are pathways. Four is what I call quality control. And this is things that go wrong. So DNA fails over time. Um, as I said before, there's 10 to the fifth DNA errors per cell per day that we have to fix. Uh, there's protein uh, errors, and there's four ways to fix that. And I throw autophagy, which is cellular recycling, into that because we know that if you increase autophagy, uh, your cells just do better over time, which then gets us to five, which is an inflammatory issue. So this is your immune system. And your immune system is amazing when you are young, and it kills you when you are old because, number one, you're not immune to anything anymore. <clears throat> Excuse me. Number two, you are in a chronic state of inflammation. Uh, which is why vaccines um, and such, actually, let me back up. <laughs> so let's say uh, infections, you're inflamed. Uh, these cells that are supposed to help you become leukemias and lymphomas, and then you're less likely to be able to respond to vaccines. And that is what we're seeing right now because older people are not reacting to the COVID vaccines. Um, and everyone's sort of shocked about this, but that's just- I mean, it's not yeah. working. It's not working for them. Right, so they can't Older people have a hard time generating an immune response to antigens. And that, that's mm. what it is. And there are a few things you can do to actually boost that system, but people don't really know it. So they don't really do it. What are some of those things? So for example, there's an agent. Fasting? Called, uh, <laughs> Just kidding. 
Yeah, probably. I don't actually, I don't actually know, but there's an agent called spermidine um, that does it. And yes, it comes from sperm. Um, and there's another agent called lactoferrin uh, that comes from milk actually. Uh, and they both increase the efficacy of vaccines in people. Really? Yes. Because hmm. it, it boosts your immune system to give you the power to create more antibodies and more staying power of those antibodies. So that's kind of cool. That is. So in your inflammatory system here, you asked me about uh, measuring your inflammatory system. So C-reactive mm -hmm. protein is good, but it's not fantastic. I like to look at people in, people's interleukin levels. So you can measure IL-1, IL-6. Uh, most of them you want to be low, except IL-10 you want to be high. And so those are I, tested through uh, blood tests? Yes. Yes. They're kind of non-standard. So if you go to your family physician, they're going to look at you like you're on drugs. But if you go to a longevity physician, they're going to say, ah, oh, yes, this is what we're going to measure. Yeah. I found that just over the years, uh, I, I get blood work done. I ask for random stuff too. And it's at the point now where they just say, okay, Chris, sure. Go for it. You have to pay, <laughs> you have to pay for it, but go for it. I'm like, great. Thanks. Yeah. But, no, that's, but, I, yeah, I get the same thing from my insurance company. They must think that I've got a billion weird diseases because I just keep measuring the strangest things. Um, mm -hmm. that it is what it is, right? This is, this is what we're curious about. And this is what we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see that, that is item five. Then item six is what I call individual cell needs. And this addresses things like making your stem cells better or getting rid of senescent cells or making sure that a red cell gets what it needs versus a brain cell versus a liver cell, because they all have their very individual requirements. Mm -hmm. Um, and then lastly is one of my favorite categories, which is called waste management, right? Cause you have to take out the trash. And this is mostly glucose issues. Um, we all know that glucose is very bad for people and the people that just, oh my God, they go out of their way not to eat any glucose. Mm -hmm. um, I am a junk food junkie, admittedly, and I shouldn't admit it, but I do. But uh, there are a million ways to sort of manage glucose within your body to make it not be as, uh, as terrible as it could be. And what are some of those? Well, funny you should ask. You can actually enzymatically block uh, breaking carbohydrates down into simple sugars at your intestinal wall. You can block um, a breakdown anywhere in your body for that matter. You can block something called uh, uh, gluconeogenesis. So your <laughs> liver likes to take stuff and make new glucose. There's at least four or five agents that block that. Uh, you can increase glucose going into your cells. You can increase insulin production. Uh, you can actually block AGE production, which is why glucose is so bad for you. Glucose bonds to proteins, DNA, lipids, et cetera, creates these things called AGEs, which are advanced glycation end products. They are incredibly inflammatory and they destroy long-lived tissues. And this is one of the reasons that collagen fails over time. So you can block AGE production. Um, I, I used to, well, I like to use this decoy method where if you take actually lactoferrin, which we've already mentioned, and a few amino acids sticks to the sugar, and then you just sort of excrete it without it actually forming an AGE, which is kind of nice. Um, but it's seven non-enzymatic steps from a glucose to an AGE, and you can block each of those steps. Um, and then you can actually deglycosylate de some, some things versus uh, with a few mechanisms. So there are many ways to skin a cat. Are you suggesting that the, the best way or one of the ways to do this is to utilize supplementation? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, you know, for, for those people that like to do it in a pure fashion, decrease the amount of glucose and fructose you take in. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. If you can't do that, um, 
manipulate your body. Absolutely. I take 52 supplements a day, although I don't call them supplements because some of them are adjuvants. So I just like to think of them as molecular agents. Mm -hmm. You take 52 molecular agents a day. I do. That, that's the most badass thing I've heard in a while. That sounds pretty cool. So if you want to hear badass, <laughs> this is so we have the biohacker population, you know, we get together and we compare and contrast like crazy shit that we do. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of my world, uh, the oral supplementation program is sort of the base, right? You, in, if you sort of envision the pyramid that we all learned in school about like what we should be eating, right? Like, oh yes. The food the, pyramid, the food pyramid. So I like to think of this as the longevity period. Okay. The oral supplementation program is at the base. And then there's additional therapies that you can do, which is not on a daily basis. So for example, some people are way into peptides. Mm -hmm. um, and then some people are into exosomes. Uh, I'm into exosomes. I inject exosomes probably every month. Um, some people fly across the world to get stem cell infusions. Uh, and then the last thing you can do is get um, gene therapy. Mm -hmm. I call that the top of the pyramid. So there are many, many ways to skin a cat, but at baseline, most longevity people are on some sort of a daily protocol. Okay. So if, you know, some of the listeners are, are listening right now and they're, they're fitness people. So they probably take their standard multivitamin, maybe vitamin C when it's winter time and stuff. If you were to suggest a few uh, simple ones from a longevity standpoint, supplementation, what would you recommend? Why? Well, like, what's it going to do? And are these things they could get at your general health store or should they, these be ordered from like a physician? So if you go to a physician, they're going to think that you're absolutely nuts. Um, what about an anesthesiologist? <laughs> so if you come to my hospital and you ask for me, I'm going to jump up and down and give you a giant hug and go, yes, one of my people. Uh, everyone else will think you're absolutely blooming nuts. Um, but it's a growing field. And hopefully the, the those people out there will think are less nuts over the course of time because it all makes molecular sense. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, so the question is basically age dependent, right? So if your population is below 30, you're not really aging a whole lot yet. And I would focus on things like free radical scavenging and DNA protection. Uh, my absolute favorite thing for everyone is something called astaxanthin. Um, it is a fantastic molecule. Uh, it comes from algae. If you mm -hmm. piss off algae, so if you take the goob that's in uh, like a bird bath, and it's all over the world and you piss it off, meaning you uh, create an atmosphere for it that it's uncomfortable. It creates this orangish pinkish molecule and it protects that cell from physiologic stress. Mm -hmm. It does the same thing for us. So it's one of the strongest natural free radical scavengers. We take it, it goes into our bodies. It sits in the, in the mitochondrial wall. It sucked up free radicals and you excrete it uh, with no side effects whatsoever. Um, and I know it works because when you take it, your skin doesn't burn in the sun. Oh, okay. It's absolutely remarkable. And, and I talk about this frequently. My daughter is a redheaded tennis player in Miami. Mm -hmm. When she takes her astaxanthin, she doesn't burn. And when she forgets, she looks like Rudolph. So, so is it safe to say that people who are extra sensitive to the sun, they might be missing, you know, supplementation to make them stronger, or is it, is this a deficiency in their body if they just sunburn easier than others? So sunburning has to do with many things, right? It has to do with how much melanin is in your skin. Mm -hmm. It has to do with your DNA protein or your DNA repair mechanisms. It's sort of multifactorial. But if you burn a lot, help yourself, 
right? Take the astaxanthin because it blocks DNA damage. And then there's something called polypodium that actually increases DNA repair rates. Um, so people in the sun, that's a fantastic combination, regardless of how old you are. There, there's a similar agent that comes from the Amazon. It's called AC11, and it too increases DNA repair mechanisms. Okay. And we don't see it in our livers, but we can see it in our skin. Like suntan go, or sunburn goes away way faster. Interesting. So when you talk about these, these types of baseline supplement supplements for like DNA repair, um, what works best when it comes to powder, capsule, liquid injection? Is there one better than the other? Absolutely not. Um, anything oral, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I honestly, I find those, uh, <laughs> when people take the, the powdered stuff and they stick it in some sort of drink, I just find that like bizarrely repulsive and disgusting. So I am a capsule addict because you can't taste it, you mm-hmm. know, it's down and, and there it is. And it, and once it's in your GI tract, it does not matter what form it's in at mm-hmm. all. It just doesn't. Okay. Um, so there's, 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 there's no, bo- there's no binding needed for certain things. Like if you mix it with fats and protein, it doesn't oh. matter. No. So things that are, so that, so supplements fall into several different types of categories. One of which is fat soluble versus water soluble, right? If something is fat soluble, you want to take it with food because you activate your pancreas enzymes and your gallbladder enzymes, and that makes it easier to digest, mm-hmm. right? So the bioavailability is higher. If it's water soluble, it doesn't really matter. For supplementation for longevity. It's a good question. So most people, we don't talk about longevity until 35 and after usually, right? Everything okay, else. I'm, I'm 37. You. So I can start so this it's conversation time, baby. now. It's time. It's time. Yeah. So for healthy people uh, in that age range, I usually tell them to start with something that I call the panacea. Um, and the reason it's called the panacea is because the letters sort of, sort of kind of spell it out doesn't really work at the end, but the beginning, the beginning works. So the first thing to take is something called pterostilbane and is related to resveratrol. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason that these are important is they, they do many things in all of the different categories, but their standout thing that they do is that they activate your sirtuins and your sirtuins fail over time. And your sirtuins pretty much control everything around your body, it controls where you deposit fat, how much free radical or endogenous free radical scavengers you're going to make. Um, it controls your, your circadian rhythms. It controls mm. pretty much your whole body soup to nuts. So all of those things that bother people as they're getting older is probably sirtuin derived. So we need to turn our sirtuins back on. And that's where uh, pterostilbane and resveratrol come into play. Uh, most studies have been on resveratrol, but the bioavailability is pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. So it's cousin a pterostilbane that comes from blueberries is better unless um, you take one of the bioavailable resveratrols. Um, everyone knows how good it is for you. So they've been trying to, you know, there's the escalating war of which ones to take. So anything yeah. that says bioavailable or in a nanomycel or nano encapsulated, any of those things means it's going to get in. Mm-hmm. That, so, that's good to know because you're hundred percent right. And, and, you know, I don't want to confuse any of the listeners here. If someone is looking to utilize supplementation for their health, they're going to go to Amazon. They're going to go to their, their local store. They're going to see a $5 version. And a $500 version, right? And they're not going to yes. know where to pick from. But what you're saying is if it says on it somewhere bioavailable, that's the one to go to? That's the one. Okay, good to know. Yep, yep. Uh, and some agents are important and some agents are not important. It just depends on you know how it gets absorbed and, and such. Um, anyway, so moving along in this category, 
panacea, P-A. A is the astaxanthin, and we talked about that. Mm-hmm. N is nicotinamide. And this is huge these days in the longevity market because your body needs nicotinamide for four very important reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, uh, it's the rate limiting factor in making your mitochondria work. Two is an absolutely necessary cofactor for your sirtuins. So you can take as much pterostilbene as veritol as you want, but it's not going to work if you're nicotinamide deficient. Mm-hmm. Three, your body takes uh, the molecule apart and uses it to sort of patch up your DNA. So again, if you're nicotinamide deficient, your DNA is screwed. And then lastly, it's a communication device between your nucleus and your mitochondria telling yourself how much energy you have and it sort of dictates what the cell can do at that point, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are nicotinamide deficient and anyone over the age of 40 is probably nicotinamide deficient, that's a no brainer. Um, There's an escalating war between nicotinamide riboside and nicotinamide mononucleotide. There That's one N- NNM, right? NNM, there you go. Yeah, I've there heard of that go. one. Yeah. Because no one can say nicotinamide mononucleotide. It's just a pain in the ass. <laughs> um, but, but in reality, they're one enzymatic step away. It probably does not matter. I'm sure these companies will shoot me. It probably does not matter which one you take. But everyone in the longevity field knows it's so important that they're trying to come up with other ways to do it. So you can go get an IV infusion. You can get an injection. You can get a nasal spray. You can get a transdermal patch. However you get your nicotinamide, it doesn't really matter as long as you're getting your nicotinamide. Mm-hmm. You mentioned you did say over 40. So once you're over 40, most people are slightly deficient. This is one thing you're going to want to utilize more. When we talk about aging, is there absolutes that happen at certain decades? Like you just said, in your 40s, this is something that you start to break down. And is there certain ones in 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s that everyone goes through no matter what? For the most part, Yes. Like by late thirties, your sirtuins start falling, mm-hmm. right? So someone in their early thirties, like taking a bucket load of resveratrol, it's pointless, right? You're just dumping a lot of money down the drain, mm-hmm. right? So 30, the end of thirties, beginning of forties, where most of these things sort of crash and burn, um, unless you sort of manipulate it. Athletes are a little bit different because their bodies are just metabolically a little bit different and you're going to do a little bit better as time goes on. Um, on the other hand, I will, if you look at the gym, you'll be able to tell like who needs reading glasses. Yeah. Right. That is a pretty standard mid 40 ish kind of thing because it has to do with glycation of the lens. Mm -hmm. Right. Now the good news is you can block or even reverse glycation of the lens, but most people don't know that they can do it. So they don't. So, you know, you'll have some super tough guy in there with big muscles, but he's looking at his phone and he pulls out his reading glasses. (laughs) That's just the way that it is, but they don't, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. He's grabbing the hundos and he thinks they're the one twenties. No, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And it's funny as hell. I'm like thinking, well, your body looks good, but your eyesight's really terrible. (laughs) Okay. So in the forties, that's one of the standard things to start to go. You see the eyesight and stuff. Um, what about fifties, sixties, seventies? Are there, are there common point, things? You really start worrying about DNA repair rates. You really start worrying about inflammation, mm-hmm. high fifties to sixties, absolutely inflammation. Um, mid fifties, you really get the abdominal fat gain. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is where you start hearing these guys say, oh, I eat the same thing. I do the same thing. How come I'm fat? And the answer is because now your sirtuins have really taken a dive you're not playing with your AMP kinase well. And then you can start worrying about brown fat to white fat ratios, and you can uncouple your mitochondria to burn off more calories. So many things that we can do to fix it, but 
You just have to recognize that it's a problem. Your answer is so different than mine. When they say, hey, why am I fat now in my 50s? I say, well, you're not doing what you used to do in your 30s. So I always would tackle it from a movement perspective. And from what you're telling me, I got to change my answer. Okay. So, so, but the answer is it's multifactorial, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's also, they play off of each other because mm-hmm. people feel kind of chunky. They're going to do a little bit less and then they get a little bit more chunky and then they do even more or less, right? That, that made no sense. Um, I know what you mean, right? Poor, poor phraseology on that one. But in reality, because your sirtuins drop, you do get different fat deposition. It goes to your viscera. The, I call it the abdominal tire phenomenon, right? Mm-hmm. It's not in your skin. It goes to other places where it shouldn't be. And that's true. Does it vary from males to females? It does actually. You know, it's the pear shape versus the, the apple thing, but it mm-hmm. absolutely does. Women say the same thing. You know, I do the same exercise. I eat the same thing. I just can't lose weight. And everyone goes and takes, you know, blames their thyroid. It's not Mm. your flipping thyroid. It's your sirtuins, but no one checks your sirtuins. Uh, And this goes back to those crazy lab tests. You can actually have your sirtuins checked, but no one does because it's just an atypical thing to look at. And again, then they get really pissed off when their thyroid come back normal. And you're like, sorry, just the way that it it? is. Yeah. 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 Um, Where does, um, exercise come into play. So, uh, you know, I'm just thinking myself 20 years from now, let's say I gave up on exercise and I said, okay, I really got to start taking my health serious. I want the 52, um, what'd you call them? Like super agents, molecular agents. I want the 52 molecular agents every day. I'm not going to exercise. I'm just going to go that route. Does exercise, does diet, do these two things also assist play a role? Of course they do. Of course they do. I mean, exercise is amazing for you, right? The problem is, is that as you get older, your body doesn't want to do it because you feel like crap, Mm -hmm. right? So the goal is to make your body want to do it. The goal is to basically make your body feel like you're in your mid thirties, right? That's where you're sort of optimal. So congratulations. (laughs) You're kind of optimal right now. It's only (laughs) only downhill from here. I'm good for a month. It's over. Yeah, you're set. Then whoosh, down the hill. (laughs) Um, No, but if you can get your body to not hurt and to act like it did when you're young, you're going to keep doing all of these things. We know that motion helps joints, motion helps muscles. It increases blood flow. It increases all of the fantastic hormones around your body that that do, they make you feel good and they keep you you healthier, right? If you increase your heart rate, increases cardiovascular flow, increases all of those things. It is, it's fabulous for you, but it cannot be done in isolation. Mm -hmm. And then with, um, with nutrition on top of that, so beyond the exercise component there, if you're saying that these are certain things that our bodies need over time, we you know become deficient in this, 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 our serotonin is starting to go down. Does nutrition or what nutrition are like standards that you're like, you're like, we should really always be eating these things moving forward. So you have to talk about you. So you have to think about what you're eating. And ter- okay, well, let me back up. There are clear deficiencies as you get older, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and people make up this is, this is a very complicated question. So in terms of a, if you take a regular diet, right? If you get the same thing for 50 years, there's going to be something missing in your diet, whatever it is, right? Um, then you're going to have deficiencies. So you need to make them less deficient. Uh, if you eat really shitty oily food over the course of time, you're going to have all of these oily buildup inside of you. Right. And that's not good either. Mm-hmm. But even the people that have like the most amazing diets that eat the perfect amount of fiber and the perfect amount of uh, vegetables and the perfect amount of, you know, anthocyanins and and all of those things, I would argue that you're still not 
optimized. Uh, as an example, uh, resveratrol, since we keep talking about it, um, actually pterostilbene because it's easier. Um, you need to eat like three gallons of blueberries a day to get the necessary amount of resveratrol, right? Mm -hmm. um, or how, not, many bottles, how many bottles of wine? Because I know some of my ladies are going to be asking that one. Right, right. So that's actually <laughs> a really good question. Um, and I'll tell you that. So resveratrol is in red wine. And the other good answer is that quercetin is in white wine. So you got a mix. You, you, a mix is fantastic. Okay. Um, and it was funny. I was over in Scotland last week and they said whiskey is the, you know, it's, it's the drink of youth and immortality. And I'm thinking, I really have not ever found anything in whiskey that could help you one flip an iota. Um, but I'm sure there's something and I'll keep looking for it for all of those whiskey fans. <laughs> but in, in reality, to really, really, really turn on a lot of these longevity pathways, it goes beyond food. So eating well will help you, but mm -hmm. it's not the absolute answer. Mm -hmm. When we look at people who have surpassed, you know, I think the standard age in North America or the average lifespan is, you know, I think it's about 88 for females, 84 for males or something along those lines. When you see people, you know, surpass that, they hit 100, they hit 110. What, what's different? How are they getting to those types of numbers? So it depends on the population. Um, clearly, it's multifactorial. I love that word. But a lot of it's genetic right? We don't know genetically why they're different. Do they have better DNA repair processes? Do they make more endogenous free radical scavengers? Clearly, <laughs> if it runs in the family, there's something inheritable that just by nature puts them at an advantage, right? It also could be where they live. Is the air cleaner? Uh, is, are they less epigenetically modified? Is their diet better? We don't know, but clearly they've been subselected. The other thing you want to look at, let's say, okay, it's, you know, it's fantastic to be hundred years old, but is this hundred year old person, you know, are they playing the piano and dancing or are they like, you know, in a wheelchair and they're trait? Mm -hmm. It goes back to lifespan versus health span, right? I plan on being 120, but as soon as I can't do the things I want to do, I'm going to fall off a cliff because mm -hmm. I pro don't pro probably climbing it. I, I would imagine so. And actually I, I told my rock climbing partner, just, just cut the rope. If I, if I can't cut the monster. <laughs> cut the rope. Let me crash and burn. I don't want to feel anything. You That's know. a lot of pressure. I hope you have a good relationship with this person. Well, the good news is he's like eight years older than I am. So he's going to die way before me. So okay. Okay. And just out of curiosity, I would never ask, you know, so someone this, but it makes a lot of sense right now. H how old are you today? 104. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm 53. You're 53. Okay. So, so you kind of are the fountain of youth because you, you, you look younger than 53. So you've been practicing this for some time and you're saying you're at the halfway mark about. I, I would say I'm not even at the halfway mark, right? If I'm going to be 120, 60 is my halfway mark. Okay. Yeah. And so you're 52 agents a day and, and, and eating well, exercising, having a few donuts and, and you think you can get to 120. Oh, I have no doubt. Oh. I, I hope I can have you on the podcast in, in 67 more years, right? <laughs> I think, but, but in 67 years, we won't have podcasts anymore. We'll have some sort of like virtual something, something, somethings, right? I will somehow show up in people's living rooms and they can ask me whatever they want to ask me. Very true. Very true. Awesome. All right. See you in my living room, 67 years. Can we reverse aging? Uh, at the moment, no. So when we, we get to, we can, but, but what about you to mention like eyesight and stuff? But we can, we can decelerate aging. It also depends on how you define aging, mm -hmm. right? 
there are a million tests out there and they'll tell you this is the one only test that will tell you how physiologically old you are. Um, and I think that's utter bullshit because you age in seven different categories. You're going to different categories are going to be worse for different people. Right. So you can have your epigenetics tested and they'll give you a physiologic age. You can have your telomeres tested. You can have your glycation things tested. You can do a whole panel of, of, of various things and they'll give you some sort of wackadoodle age estimate. Um, at some point, it's probably a combination of those and someone will come up with some sort of convoluted thing to tell you how old th theoretically, physiologically you are. Um, can you actually turn back age now at the moment? The answer is no. And you probably not necessarily want to, but the idea is just to sort of stall it out and to significantly decelerate it. Mm -hmm. And however, chip away at small problems. So as I said, um, presbyopia is just glycation of the lens. It's stiff because it's coated in, in AGEs. So it's really hard to move it to make it focus on things that are close up. And so what's really cool is I use transglycosylating agents to lift some of the AGEs out of my lens. That, that, that's wild. You, so your site was starting to go and you said, okay, I'm going to change it by doing X. Yeah. So there's a fame that, I mean, most, you, you guys will know about this. So there's carnosine, right? It's a dipeptide, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it's a transglycosylating agent. So I take it internally because it keeps my cells deglycosylated. Uh, and it also helps for your muscles. It's, it's, um, it's a buffer. So it goes in your muscles and your muscles do not burn when you exercise, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. It drives my kids nuts. How come they're miserable? And I'm like fine all the time, but it also comes in eye drops. Oh, um, it's amazing. But and it would still have the same it, effect. Amazon, would it can, have the same effect on the muscles reducing the, the fatigue burn sensation? Absolutely. I'm going to write this down. The last, it, it's a lactic. It's, I call it a twofer. Like as an athlete, it makes you not hurt, right? Mm -hmm. So you overdo it a bit. You get some acid built up in your muscles. You wake up the next day and you hurt, right? I don't ever hurt, ever. That is that is so um, informational. And, and I just think of all the listeners right now, a lot of times that's always the determining factor of continuing on with doing more reps, doing more work. And then also the psychological issue the next day. Well, I want to be able to get up and down my stairs. So I don't want to train that hard stay in the gym. And you're saying through carotene, eye drop form, Amazon, carnosine. or sorry, carnosine, eye drop form that could prevent or reduce some of that. Well, so to get it to your muscles, you need to take it orally. Okay. Right. Cause just dropping it in your eyeball, it's not going to get to your, your quads <clears throat> or your gastrox. Hey, you're the doctor. That's why I'm asking this stuff. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you that it won't, <laughs> okay. but you, you, if you take it orally, uh, it will. Um, the eye drops are pretty much aimed at uh, making your vision better in terms of presbyopia. Uh, mm -hmm. And it can also reverse to a certain degree cataracts, but not necessarily entirely. It depends on the degree of them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, you talked before we can't identify um, how old someone is because there's so many different factors around that. But can we predict someone's death? Like, is there a way for you to be like, hey, if this, if this, if these guys are down, these girls are down, you're probably only going to live another five years. So I don't know if that's necessarily true yet. Um, it, 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 at that point, it sort of falls into how many horrible medical problems you have, right? If you're overweight, you're diabetic, you've got high blood pressure, blah, 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 blah. You're, you're sort of semi-screwed and you're going to fall into the lower. I mean, life is a bell-shaped curve, right? So those people are going to be on the lower end of the bell-shaped curve. Mm -hmm. 
Um, if clearly, if you're healthy, your labs look good, et cetera, you're going to live a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we don't have numbers yet in terms of how long I can, you know, I can't predict how long you're going to live. Okay. Get hit by bus tomorrow and then all bets are off. That is very true. That's very true. That, With- that being said though, I will tell you that being on all of my 52 agents, I cannot get sick to save my life. Really? Like I have tried, I threw myself into COVID wards, unprotected pre-vaccination. I could not get COVID. And no one's coughed in your mouth. No, some kid did actually. There was a 300 pound autistic kid that I was wrestling down for anesthesia. He, he spewed all over me. I couldn't get it. It's amazing. I think I, my immune system is so perked up that I couldn't get it. My kids were barking around hacking all last week. I couldn't get it. Okay. So, so it's 2021 right now. When was the last time you took a sick day? That's when I took something. No, took a sick day. Like you called in work. Like I can't come in. I'm sick. When's the last time you were uh, sick? You, you just broke up. Sorry. When was the last time you were sick? I don't remember. Um, okay. So there was this one day, but I did it to myself. So I don't think that counts. Um, so we take- yo, I took a chemotherapy agent to get rid of senescent cells. I took experimental um, SKQ1 molecules. And then I got the third vaccine at the same time. And I felt like absolute garbage. But I don't think that really counts as sick because it was extraordinarily self-imposed. Mm-hmm. Before that, I don't remember. It's been at least a decade. Okay. So like two presidents ago. Yeah. Knowing, knowing <laughs> me, I'll get sick tomorrow. But I really, I honestly can't remember being sick. That's wild. It, you know, it's very interesting. Um, uh, I working in the fitness industry for, you know, almost two decades now I've come across people who say, no, I don't get sick. You know, it's funny when, when you talk to someone who says they don't get sick, they're kind of like the, the, the alpha health in the room. They're healthy on all, all aspects. When you look at, you know, the spectrum of what makes them out, they eat well, they exercise regularly, they prioritize sleep, they drink water, just the basic stuff and they don't get sick. And they're like, I don't get sick. But when you're doing your 52 agents, you're, you're like a superhuman now. Uh, I like to think that. And it's funny because a friend of mine drew my blood the other day and it kind of glowed funny. Um, so I'm really not sure if it, it's a good thing or not, but it's sort of like been the running joke. I, I glow a little bit um, and nothing ever hurts or bothers me. I can't get sick. But what I did do is when COVID came out, I decided that viruses attack your body in six different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to block each of those ways which is why I was actually throwing myself into COVID units to see if I was correct in my thinking. You are your own lab rat. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I do crazy stuff all the time. I love it. Let's rewind a little bit here. You said that viruses attack the body in six ways and you block those six ways. What are they and how did you do it? So a virus has to get through your mucosa to get to your cells. And one of the ways you can block it is increasing your IgA, Ig, uh, Gs. Uh, in the mucosal level. An interesting astaxanthin can do that. So that's kind of cool. Uh, The virus then has to get to the receptor. In this case, it's the ACE2 receptor. uh, And there are many ways of blocking that. Uh, Once the virus is in your cell, it has to undergo viral replication and you can block viral replication. Then it has to get released from the cell and it has to activate mast cells uh, and you can block mast cell degranulation. Um, and then it causes systemic inflammatory responses and you can block systemic inflammation. Okay. How, how do we, how did you block those? 
so I looked up every agent that theoretically helped with viruses and I picked out the ones that, um, at, at the time there was no actual COVID-19. So I went with COVID-19 like viruses. Mm-hmm. So it was the membrane and the, and the same receptor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I looked up 20, 30 agents, found six or seven that did different things uh, and then took a combination of the five and it worked. So it's like astaxanthin, quercetin is amazing. Uh, curcumin, as long as it's in a nanomycel is amazing. And then a few that people have never, ever heard of. But uh, conveniently on Instagram, I made a chart called the Quick and Easy Anti-COVID Virus Guide. Mm-hmm. And it's my chart that people ask for it. So I, I put it up. I'm going to put a link to that uh, for anyone listening right now, because that sounds um, very beneficial for a lot of people. And you seem to be um, walking living proof, literally going into the COVID wards. Yeah, I did. And it's really funny because everyone else puts on so much PPE, you know, the, mm. the double mask and the double hat and the this and that and the other, and they're sterilized. And I just walk in mm-hmm. <laughs> people hate me for it, but it it's, it's, I, I've been fine. It's crazy. With all due respect, you're a mutant, but you're like a good mutant. You're like the superhero version of mutant. I, I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just got one or two more questions here um, before you leave. I just want to rewind. You said that you were taking um, some form of um, um, uh, like cancer medication, not cancer medication for two. Oh, yes. So radiate. Yeah. What were you taking for the syntha cells? Right. So one of the problems uh, with aging is the accumulation of something called senescent cells. Senescent cells. Yes. Right? Some people like to think of them as zombie cells. I like to think of them as grumpy old man cells um, because it's a normal cell. And it has a lot of DNA damage and the cell puts itself into a state of hibernation and that's mm-hmm. called quiescence. And the cell tries to fix itself. And if it fails, it does one of two things. Um, it either dies like a respectable cell that's apoptosis mm-hmm. or it emerges as a senescent cell and the cell sort of changes morphology. It gets sort of fat and chunky and it just starts exuding inflammatory factors. Mm. Um, and I like to think of this like this old fat guy in the corner who's just like full of obnoxious things to say. Yeah, and yeah, it, I've seen right? those guys. And, and it's contagious, mm-hmm. you know, enough nasty people in a room, everyone's in a raunchy mood and, and that's serious pathology. And all these inflammatory factors that they release become systemic and it really, really contributes to aging. And a ton of studies have demonstrated that if you can get rid of your senescent cells, Number one, you do much better overall. And number two, they just get replaced by normal cells. Mm-hmm. So if you're an, an aging athlete, for example, all of your injuries, those, those are filled with senescent cells. If you've had uh, any type of radiation, whatever tissue is nasty looking, it's filled with senescent cells. Unfortunately, there aren't that many ways of getting rid of it. There are probably 15 or 20 some agents in production right now being tested around the world, but nothing is really available. Mm-hmm. The two natural agents that help or quercetin and fisetin. Quercetin uh, mostly comes from onions. Fisetin mostly comes from strawberries, but you have to take massive doses. Um, and the agent that they pair mostly with quercetin is something called denacetab. Um, it is a chemotherapy that they give to people uh, to keep them in remission with CML. Um, it's, it's a type of leukemia. Okay. Um, but it's been demonstrated that two days of this chemotherapy combined with quercetin can get rid of a lot of senescent cells. So that's what I did. Okay. That, that's wild stuff. Um, the information provided today was, was super high points. 
Uh, I know a lot of listeners right now are, are, are probably just like frothing at the mouth, wanting more, wanting more, wanting more. I want to know where you're going to be um, at 115 years old. You're five, you're five years out of death. You're 115. How do you want to be living your life? Where do you think you're going to be? Because that's where you're going to go. Well, I think I'm going to be hiking someplace. Um, I don't know, probably not too much of a high altitude. I'm not sure if my lungs are going to be up for high altitude at 115. Mm-hmm. Um, hiking somewhere moderately flat. Um, I don't know, enjoying life somewhere. Mm-hmm. I guess it depends on how I feel. If I, if I think the death is on the verge of, of coming, maybe I'll get really close to that cliff. Uh, <laughs> if I think I'm still good, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll take a re-estimate of, of my years. I don't know. We'll see when we get there. Well, I, I hope I'm nearby. I hope I'm still around. Oh, you'll be you'll be way far behind me because you're you're far younger. Yeah, maybe, maybe if you're hiking, I'll just carry your backpack for you at one fifty. Oh my, that would be the perfect arrangement. It's a deal. <laughs> Sandra, Project Fitness Podcast. Thanks you so much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. Uh, and again, the amount of knowledge that you just you know, spewed out on all of us has my brain turning. And again, this was a selfish episode for me uh, with the longevity game. Uh, so I really appreciate you coming on. So thank you so much. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. And if anybody wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, so Instagram is Kaufman Anti-Aging. Mm-hmm. Um, my website is kaufmanprotocol.com. The email address uh, is on that website. I do not have any help. I have no secretary. This is a hobby. Um, so I answer all emails personally. It just takes me a little bit of time to do it. So if anyone sends me a note, you give me a few days, at least a week to sort of get to it. But I do answer everyone's questions all the time. Um, and then for anyone who wants to know sort of more about what I'm talking about, I did write a book. It's called The Kaufman Protocol. Um, and it's sort of become this bizarro cult classic in the longevity world. Um, and I'm about to release book two, which has 29, 30-ish more agents in it. So it gives you more choices in terms of what you're going to take. Amazing. I'm going to get that book. I'm going to get book number two right after it. This is amazing stuff. Never me. stop. Thank learning. you so much for coming on. Never stops. My teaching. pleasure. Thank you. If you've learned at least one thing from this podcast and your mission is to help other people, please share this podcast with them. And a reminder, we will be releasing one episode every Monday for the entire year. So make sure to hit subscribe so you get the updated information as soon as possible. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it.